Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. TPV Radio, Central Texas. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of the coronavirus. Wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Cover your cough or sneeze. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects. And remember, you're safer at home. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by Live 365 and this station. You're listening to the hottest, most off-controversial, off-the-meters Christian radio station in the land. In the land. The Psalmist Voice Radio Network. Are you ready to walk, family? Let us go! What's good, radio family? The Psalmist Voice Radio Network has an all-star lineup just for you. Just pick your flavor. Starting with, on Sundays, the Psalmist Voice Reloaded at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time, followed by Satellite with Michael Ceballos at 4.30 p.m. Mondays, The Grub at 12 noon. Darcy Patterson, The Reality Coach, at 6 p.m. Tuesdays, Victory Over the Weights of Life with Sister Deanne Labrine at 6 p.m. Fridays, Real Talk with Pastor Byron Sago at 4 p.m. Saturdays is our triple hitter, and it starts off with Saturdays for Best with Sister Lorraine Brown, followed by Brother Now Presents with Pastor Gene Homer at 4 p.m., and Loda Bar Nation with Sandra Grace at 7 p.m. The Psalmist Voice presents by appointment only, coming soon. TPV Radio open mic open to all pastors preachers and artists and we're going to get it in to be announced you can also catch us on live 365 24 7 just search the psalmist voice radio network and you're in there walk with us family let's go at javina distributing we got your covering for your winter and summer needs one size fits all. To order yours today, please message them on Facebook at Javina Distributing or call 616-929-2991 or 517-489-6923. Or you can order from the website www.allsports.com headgear.com and type in promo code Siron2020 to receive 20% off your purchase. Let's get it. Let's go. At Majal's Products, we care for a better you with our handmade natural ingredients to give you healthier skin, 
body and stronger hair. Like our face, foot, hair, and body care products. To order yours today, please visit our website at www.majowsproducts.com or on Facebook at Majows Products. Get yours today and get your faster results without breaking the bank. You never heard Christian radio quite like this. Like this. Get your fix 24-7 on the Psalmist Voice Radio Network. Radio Network. You're listening to Victory Over the Weights of Life. Over the Weights of War. With Sis Diane LeBrand. Right now on TPV Radio. This is Victory Over the Weight of Life with Sister Diane LeBrand. Everybody, good evening. How are you? How are you? It is Tuesday, the 4th of August, 2020. How is everybody doing? I hope you guys are fine. I hope you guys are well. I hope you guys are being safe. I want to thank you for being here. As you guys know, the first Tuesday of every month is all about domestic violence. We dedicate this entire day to domestic violence. We want to bring awareness to domestic violence, not just in the month of October, but throughout the year because domestic violence is taking place every day of the year. So I just want to thank you so much for being here. As always, before we start our show, We must invite the Lord with us. Amen. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you. Father, we give you praise. We give you glory and honor. We thank you that you are God. We thank you that you still rule. You still reign. You are still in absolute control. We want to thank you for this day. Lord God, we invite you into this show right now. We pray, God, that you will draw all the ones that need to hear this testimony today. We pray even now for our guest, God, that you strengthen her, that you encourage her, oh God, in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, God, for the Newtons. We thank you, God, for TPV Radio Network. We bless your holy name. God, cover the Newtons. I Thank you, God, from the bottom of my heart for them every week, God, because they have blessed me with an opportunity that they could have only heard you whisper in their hearts. So, God, I thank you for them. Let the world hear this testimony and let every victim of abuse know, God, that they are not alone. They are not suffering alone. They are not struggling alone. And the ones who are still in the healing process, God, let them know if they 
they hold on, they're going to make it through. So we want to thank you for today. We bless you. We appreciate you. We love you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Yes. Yes, it is already August. Before we got uh, started, I was thinking to myself, this is August already? I was like, that means it's only four more months till Christmas. <laughs> means five more months till 2021. Where is the time going? Amen. And I have to say, I am one of those people who loves the fall into the winter. That's me. I love it. My favorite time of the year. So I kind of look forward to it, especially with our super hot Texas heat. But again, I just want to thank you so much. So if you are listening in the UK, if you know someone who is going through domestic violence, why don't you have them to listen in tonight? If you are in the Caribbean, if you are in Canada, if you are in any part of the United States, if you are in Japan, you are in Australia, wherever you are listening. What's up, South Africa? What's up, Nigeria? What's up? What's up? You guys go ahead and just have them plug in tpvradionetwork.com and they can listen to the show right there. So I, I let my guests Get comfortable, let her get her, her, her throat moist with some water. Amen. We're gonna just have one song. We're gonna we're gonna play my song. I know who I am, just to give her a little motivation, a little encouragement. And you guys don't go anywhere. So get yourself comfortable, get yourself ready for the next two hours. We're gonna talk. We're going to let her tell her story. We're going to let her tell you about her book she has coming out. We're going to let her tell you how you can get in touch with her. So she's going to tell you everything you need to know and some more that may be able to save your life or the life of someone else. So I know who I am coming up, and the next time we come on, we're going to have her introduce herself. You're listening to Victory Over the Weights of Life, Over the Weights of War, with Sis Diane LeBrand, right now on TPV Radio. All I require for life. 
Keep it locked right here on TPV Radio, the station for inspiration. You're listening to Victory Over the Weights of Life, Over the Weights of War, with Sis Diane LeBrand, right now on TPV Radio. All right, all right, all right, all right. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you guys went ahead and invited some people. Don't forget, while you're listening online, if you would like to call in, you can also do that to leave a comment, to to make a point, to encourage, or whatever you'd like to do. Uh, You can go ahead and do that, tpvradionetwork.com. You can listen to us there. Please share that out. And while you are there, please don't forget to give me a thumbs up and also go ahead and hit the follow button so every Tuesday when I come on, you will get a notification. And please share that out. I want to thank you so much again for being here. Again, if you're just coming in, the first Tuesday of every month is dedicated to only domestic violence. This radio platform, we make sure we keep domestic violence at the forefront. In doing so, we are hoping and we are praying that victims get a chance to listen to the show so they can know they're not in the struggle by themselves. And those who are trying to leave out the relationship, we want you to leave out the right way because most victims who lose their lives when it comes to domestic violence is in the process of them leaving their abusers. And the the most common way that a victim's life is taken is by the abuser putting his hands around her neck and literally choking the life out of her or shooting her in the heart or in the head. Women are dying every day. Children are hurting, and like I say all the time, usually when we think of domestic violence, we only think it's women who are being abused. But there are men that are being abused as well, but we don't hear very much about it because the men, they are macho men. They don't want to look weak, you know. So so a lot of them suffer in silence, just like a lot of women suffer in silence. So our guest is ready. I hope she is. I want to welcome you, ladies and gentlemen. Please put your hands together for our guest tonight. To you, good evening. How are you? Welcome to Victory Over the Ways of Life. Hi. Thank you so much, Diane. Uh, it's really oh, cool. Welcome. How are you? Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. How are you? <laughs> Oh, I'm really, really good. Thank you. I'm truly honored and blessed to be invited to speak today. And Thank you so much I for love your music. With it. Thank you. That, that music, just, it pumps me up. It pumped me up as well. I was dancing right here <laughs> in my chair. <laughs> right, um, right. It's, it's, it's a great song. It's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. And, you know, I think that what you're doing in case I forget to say it later, um, you're sending out a powerful message, and there are so very, very many people out there struggling in situations like I was in, and had I heard your voice back then, it could have been a totally different life story for me. So I'm so honored to be here to share my story and incredibly grateful for you doing this program. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. So tell You're us welcome. about yourself. 
Okay. Uh, before I do, I just want to thank everyone for uh, dialing in and listening. I'm on a cell phone, so hopefully I'm up here kind of in a mountain. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I social distance very, very well. I see that. They're out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and, and I just wanted to make sure you have my signal. But um, You're my name is Tiu Knapp. <laughs> okay. My name is Tiu Knapp, and I'm all about healing the holes in your soul, um, unlocking your skeleton. And that's the title of my book. I originally began writing a book called Believing in Love Again, and that will still come out, but it's coming out actually as a sequel to this one now because I find that this one is incredibly more important at this moment, especially in the time that we're in right now. So um, thank you so much to everyone. And I'm going to give you a little bit of my backstory. Uh, My name is Tiu, and my family actually came to Canada from a country called Estonia, which is very, very um, small and one of the Baltic countries that was really targeted during the Second World War. My dad was a, a born and raised on a farm, and my mom was a city girl. And when they were bombing Estonia, um, my uncle, my father's brother, was taken to Siberia, and we never saw him again. And wow. a lot of families were uprooted. A lot of families um, were taken um, by uh, Russians and Germans, and it was a choice that um, I, I learned a lot when I was growing up about how to be cautious what you say and who, to, who do you say it to, because mm-hmm. a lot of people in Estonia fled during the Second World War for freedom, and my mom and dad actually didn't meet until they got to Sweden, but my wow. mother was... Yeah, my mother was 17, and she was living in a capital city called Poning, and she told me many, many times about stepping through the rubble that the bombs had left in her city, and uh, they had, she had one sister and her mother, and it was just the three of them going through the wreckage trying to get out of the country for safety, and, you know, that's a story that you can, uh, you know, it'll be out in my other book, but there was a lot of things going on at that time. And mm-hmm. I didn't really appreciate how, um, how hard it was for them to even make it to Sweden. My father came away from on the island off the coast of Estonia, and he actually, with five other young men, sailed a 20-foot boat across the Baltic Sea wow. to Sweden. Wow. And the Baltic Sea has consumed ships, you know, like ocean liners, you know, that right. size. So... To have a small boat in the dark of the night land among the rocks in Sweden, that's, the, that's huge. But they right. did meet, and they ended up in Canada. And, you know, I think that's where I got my tenacity and my true grit and my guts. Because I right. saw it in my parents, <laughs> you know? I saw it in my parents. And um, when I... When I was four years old, we had already moved to um, the west coast of Canada. I grew up in Victoria. And there's a place um, when, where I grew up. There was this German deli just around the corner from where we lived. And one day when I was four years old, I don't know what compelled me to go, but I decided to take my yellow rabbit with the big floppy ears, and I headed to a little park I knew about. And... Here I was, four years old, going down the main street. And I wow. think the German deli owner must have seen me at the intersection, and he ratted me out and called my mom. 
<laughs> wow. Because, <laughs> because I, I went a long way, though, by myself before my mom figured out that um, I wasn't even there. And when she came yeah. flying through, I, I stopped in a little baseball, you know, like a little baseball field. And I was just sitting mm-hmm. there talking to my rabbit. And all of a sudden, I see my mother come screaming through the field, and, oh, was she upset. And, you know, I didn't know. I was four, right? Right. But that, but that was like a little bit of me. And then the other thing I remember that I just wanted to give you a little nugget on is that um, we were always raised. We went to church. We believed in God. You know, um, you know, that was a very, very powerful thing that we always did on Sundays. And mm-hmm. Um, I remember when we went to Parksville. Parksville is this beautiful area on the West Coast. And it had this huge, long, sandy beach. And this long, sandy beach, you know, go ahead, kids, girls, go play out in the water. And we had these big, giant inner tubes, right? And Mm -hmm. this is ocean waves. These are ocean waves. And I'm out there playing, and all of a sudden, I started slipping out of my inner tube. And I also saw my mother running. And it was quite the distance because the tide was out. And I saw my mother running, and I heard my older sister screaming. And I could just see the inner tube floating away and bubbles coming out of my mouth. And I wondered why no one came for me, right? But um, what was happening, and I didn't know it then, but my mother was rescuing my sister. And I kept slipping farther under the water. And what ended up happening was... um, I couldn't feel the sand under my feet. I could only feel the waves, and they were getting stronger. And then suddenly I felt something lift me back towards the inner tube, and I grabbed a yellow cord that was tied around the inner tube, and I was able Mm -hmm. to pull myself up, and the waves brought me back to the shore where I could feel the sand under my feet. And I started walking, and I could... I'm not exactly sure, you know, memory's a little bit vague. I, I know I coughed a little bit. But then my father was there, and he picked me up in the inner tube and raced me back to the beach, you know. And everybody was mm-hmm. so busy with my older sister because, right. you know, she was a little bit older, and she was the drama queen in the family. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, nobody ever knew what actually happened to me because wow. I never said anything, you know. And when I look back on that, I know. I know that um, um, I had a guardian angel taking care of me that day. That's right. You know, there was a reason why, um, you know, there was a reason why I survived that. And there was a reason why, you know, when you look back on some of the other things in life, you can see that um, God, the true source, has a huge hand in our lives. You know, we are Hmm. protected in more ways than we actually even imagine. You know, Absolutely. and even even when we walk away from our faith, which unfortunately happened to me, even though we walk away from our faith at times, um, God, the true source, doesn't, doesn't walk away from us. Never. You know, and um, I have to just interject here a minute and say, I say God, the true source, because God has many names. It depends right. on your faith. It depends on your religion. And sometimes um, when we're upset, you know, we might say God in the wrong way. So I believe in saying the true source because that speaks volumes in my heart. Okay. So um, 
as a kid, being Estonian, I spoke Estonian before I learned English. I went to school to learn English. (laughs) I didn't even know how to spell my own name, okay? And and in first first grade, uh, I had to have a little um, piece of paper where my father had written down my name so that I would know how to write my name in English, okay? And wow. I remember the teacher <laughs> I know. And and I remember the teacher asking everybody on the first day of sixth grade, um, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you know, a little boy said a fireman, another one said, I want to be a policeman. I remember a little girl said she wanted to be a nurse. And mm-hmm. when it was my turn to answer, I answered, I want to be a mother. I want to be a mom. <laughs> and and she just kind of sat back and looked at me, and I said, yeah. And she asked me why, and I go, because that way you always have someone who will love you, and you have someone to love. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> there's, a, there's a method to my madness, okay? <laughs> right, right. Okay, so it was an interesting time. I'm 67 years old now, so I grew up in the 60s, okay? And I was the diehard hippie, peace, love, rock and roll, okay? And I always hoped that if, when I found the man that would take my heart, that he would have already been through the Vietnam War and I wouldn't have to worry about his safety. Seemed like a reasonable wish, right? Right. (laughs) Well, he didn't come into the picture for a while, but... um, when I finished high school, my dad said, if you're going to go to college, what do you want to do? And I jumped up and I said, I want to be an archaeologist. Well, you know, back in those days, early 70s, you, my father being old school, okay, um, in the old, old European mindset, we were raised with an iron hand. And girls were only allowed to be nurses or secretaries or marry a rich Estonian guy. And there were only two Estonian boys in the city. <laughs> right. So the choice was a little slim. Right. <laughs> and and my dad said, I don't want I'm not paying for somebody to go to college. If you're digging in dirt, you go out and dig in dirt, you can be a farmer or something, right? And right. so it was like I didn't have a whole lot of options and um nursing just the sight of blood made me um you know, made me kind of sick to my stomach. I'm like, oh, I'm not doing that. And I chose not to be a secretary. So Um, I had random jobs. I had random jobs. But when we go through life, you know, we often have a lot of choices. And not always having all the um, training that we need, you know, the healthy mindset, you know, we got raised with an iron hand. So that already elicited fear into us, okay? You know, I remember times when we got in trouble, and I did too. You know, it wasn't just my sister. It was me too. And um, my mom would always say, just wait until your father gets home. Right. <laughs> right. You know, and right away you're like, you hear the hear dad's truck come in the driveway and you run hide in the bedroom, right? <laughs> Maybe she's right. forgotten won't tell him, right? But, right. But um, that wasn't the case. And so I think um, just growing up, there was a very strict mindset. And, mm-hmm. you know, you speak when you're spoken to and not any other time, and your opinions right. don't matter. You know, right. um, it's just the way it was. And I didn't understand that for the longest time, but I just accepted it because that's all I knew. So um, um, after graduation, life got kind of ugly. A lot of challenges came on, and 
I thought to myself, that's it. And one day I just decided, that's it. I'm walking out. I quit my three jobs and walked out. And I had nothing with me but a backpack of the things that were my worldly possessions. Not a whole right. lot, but it meant a lot to me. And mm-hmm. at the age of 18, I walked away down the street, didn't leave a note, didn't tell anybody where I was going. I just left. And, wow. you know, can you imagine how my mom and dad must have felt? My dad was probably angry. My mom was heartbroken. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, worried to pieces because this was 1972. Right. And wow. um, when I walked away, though, I felt like I was 10 feet tall and bulletproof. And my goal was to go to Malibu, California, and become an artistic California girl living on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> hey, <laughs> I was that, that was a dream. Kid. That was a dream. <laughs> Well, I was that skinny kid in school with a funny first name that spoke with an accent, and I got so bullied in school, and I got bullied by my older sister that I thought, I am going to go out there, and I'm hitting Malibu, okay? I used to listen to Sonny and Cher, okay? I listened to Sonny and Cher, and I thought, maybe I'll even see them, right? Right. (laughs) I had a big, big dream. Yes, you did. I had met this... (laughs) Well, yeah, you know, this is the four-year-old that ran away with the bunny. She's still got the big right. <laughs> And what I ended up doing was um, getting involved with a guy that, um, how do I say it? He was uh, a challenging, and, and he, he basically told me, um, you can't hitchhike around the countryside all by yourself. I'll be your bodyguard. Mm. And I couldn't get rid of him, so I let him hang around. And I thought, you know what? It's probably safer if I have a guy with me anyway. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, it was 1972. And, right. Um, <laughs> what do I know, right? I, I'm the one that said exactly. it's all bulletproof and fine. If I can't get rid of you, come along. Right. My goodness. And, you know, there's a lot more details that go into that, but I'm just going to move along because um, a lot of it will come out in the book. And I don't, okay. you know. We don't want to spill the beans on the book, okay? Right. <laughs> but we ended up heading to California together. <laughs> because what the heck? He was um, born in California, and he knew the way. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> and, so you uh, got a fur guide already. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But it yeah. turns out that, um, you know, hitchhiking isn't the safest means of transportation, okay? And... Uh, we had run out of money, and we didn't have a whole lot of food left, and we had hitched a ride late at night. Um, I was really kind of cold and tired of sleeping under the bridges and along the roadsides and stuff, and I thought, you know, he really stinks as a tour guide, <laughs> right? Wow. I mean, but he kept me safe. He kept me safe. Right. Or, I, or so we thought, because one night we got a ride, and the guy that picked us up had a pickup truck, and he said... I just have to go up here for a minute and um, get something from my friend, and then I'll take you down the road to, um, it was Yolo County. I think the name was um, Woodland in California. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, I fell asleep, and we, we had been up like the night before, so we actually both fell asleep in the cab of the truck. And when oh, I yeah. heard the door slam, I woke up, and I felt a cold knife on my neck. And I thought, oh, oh this isn't good. Yeah, I thought, oh, no, this isn't good. And I I kind of tapped uh, the other guy, and we'll just call him, oh, let's just call him George. Okay. 
Okay, um, I don't, I don't want to give out names, okay, but um, George, oh, that's okay. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, I'll just keep talking then. Okay. Yes, my daughter but, came um, home, so the puppy is happy. <laughs> that's great. That's yes. great. So here's this guy holding a knife to my neck and a gun to my my uh, bodyguard's face. And I thought, oh, this isn't going to end well. And he, I don't know how he did it, but he managed to somehow uh, have us both under his control. And we drove to some remote place in Yolo County, and I don't even know where. But, wow. um, okay, he, there was this old abandoned building, and um, like an old warehouse or something, and he locked George in the building. So oh, I no longer had a bodyguard, and I thought, oh, this isn't going to end well. And right. um, I was, I was just kind, of, you know, trying to kind of uh, figure out how am I going to get out of this because you know the guy's got a knife and a gun. I've seen them both, and the next thing you know, I'm thrown onto the ground, and and I'm staring down the barrel of a loaded gun, and I thought, oh, okay, you know, logic and reason has a way of kicking in for survival skills, okay? But I didn't right. know anything about guns. I didn't know anything about guns, but I did know how to fight back. And I right. fought back and actually got the gun. And I pulled the trigger, but the safety was on, and I didn't know about the safety. And uh, needless to say, uh, I won't go into detail, but um, the guy ended up being uh, convicted as a serial rapist. Oh, later that year so we you know we're still you know I'm grateful I'm still here to talk about it I'm really really glad mm-hmm. the safety was on the gun because mm-hmm. I certainly didn't want to you know I really didn't want to hurt him but at the same time you know it's like okay well you know I guess we have a little um, issue here and it's not going to go away so you do what you need to do just to save your life and right. you know fear comes in Fear comes with many faces, and, you know, love does too. And I think one of the things that really crushed me was that um, I asked George not to ever tell a soul. After we did the police report, we did find the police station, we did report it and all that, and I ended up in court for everything. And, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, the one thing was that I didn't want anyone else to know. Right. You know, you don't want to, you know, that's not something you want to advertise. And exactly. I asked him, he said, well, he goes, well, my grandmother lives here in Barstow. Let's go to Barstow. And I thought, well, I don't really care where I go right now. You know, fine. Right. I need a bath. <laughs> you know, I desperately, and I asked her, asked him, um, does she have a bathtub? <laughs> you know? Right. And, so. and I mean, I, I just wanted to feel clean. And, right. um, we did get to Grandma's house, and I, pro- I asked him to promise that he wouldn't tell his grandmother, but he mm-hmm. did, and he did, and that should have been a huge red flag to me, and, mm-hmm. you know, when you're, when you're going through something like that, so you think that you can trust the one guy who says he's going to protect you, and he exactly, didn't. you know, um, he, you know, but I forgave him because, you know, um, what could he do? He was locked in a building. And, you know, a lot of things happened in that year. 
I mean, can you imagine, you know, um, after California, we headed back to Canada. It was like, okay, so wow. we're going back to Cal, you know, bye-bye Malibu, you know, bye-bye California girl dreams. They're not going to happen. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I ended up back at the border. Well, I'm a Canadian. He's an American. And this got really interesting because all of a sudden Canadians didn't want him because we didn't have any wow. money. Oh, and we got separated at the border. So we thought. But, but eventually he got caught trying to skip the border and ended up in jail. And I thought, okay, this oh, didn't go well either because now I'm still alone. You know? Right. Now I'm still alone. And he's, he was in jail in Canada for three weeks. And I thought, what in the world am I going to do with myself? But, you know, I'm resilient, I'm resourceful, and I'm ready for a new life. And I had faith. Mm-hmm. You know, I totally had faith. And right. along came a gentleman who was looking for somebody to um, watch his one-year-old daughter. And it was a live-in situation. And I thought, wow. wow. Opportunity just landed right at the palm, you know, right there in front of me. And I yeah. thought, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, mm-hmm. someone is watching out for me. So I moved right. in with them. And uh, for a little while, I, I was able to just enjoy having a family around me again, okay? And it was nice. It was nice. And then, surprise, guess who got pregnant? Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, Uh-oh. the bodyguard was more than a bodyguard by now, okay? Right. <laughs> and I thought, uh-oh. <laughs> and I thought, uh-oh, how do I tell him? Right, you know, we're not completely innocent here, you know, and and uh, right. somehow he knew. Somehow he knew, and uh, when the uh, when it was time for him to go back, and he was getting deported back to the U.S., and I mm-hmm. thought, oh, here I am. Now I'm 19 years old, pregnant, and all by myself in Alberta. Oh, what are my choices? <laughs> right? Yeah. What are my choices? Well, we had made uh, we had made a deal that um, if we got separated at the border, that would we would meet at the Greyhound bus station in Niagara Falls on the American side. Okay. And I thought, okay, that's a long way to go. Wow. <laughs> that's like halfway. That's more than halfway across Canada. And I oh, thought, wow. okay. I know. I know. It just kept getting more and more interesting. But you I know. know. I had, <laughs> I had faith and I had resiliency and I had determination and I had to make a choice. Do I go back to mom and dad and tell them that they were right and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm now almost barefoot and pregnant? Or do I blaze a new trail and go east? <laughs> and um, I chose to go east because I had too much mm. pride to, I had too much to pride home. to tell my mom and dad. Yeah, I had too much pride to go home and um, eat a chunk of humble pie that would be too hard to swallow. So I went in. Wow. And I had $3 in my pocket, and I had two good thumbs. I said, two good thumbs and um, very, very little else because the backpack I had left home with had been stolen, and I had one change of clothes. So that was pretty much it. And I thought, well, this is homelessness. This is a little bit hungry. And this is a little problematic <laughs> because yeah, it's winter. Sure is. And in, in, in Saskatchewan and in Manitoba, it's snowing. 
<laughs> and it was snowing when I got to Manitoba, and I was cold and I was tired, and I had stopped at a truck stop. Right. And I had, and I had um, just enough money for a bowl of soup. And so I was sitting there because in the restaurant it was it was warm, but they were getting ready to close. And there was another young guy there, and he had been traveling as well. You could see a lot of people hitchhiked back then. Not necessarily right. yes, the smartest did. choice, you know. Right, not necessarily the smartest, but they did. Mm-hmm. And and I'm you know, and it got to be late, and I thought I'm gonna have to try and hitch a ride out of here in the dark, and. Can you imagine how cold it is when it's already three, four feet of snow out there? It's two o'clock in the morning and the big trucks are flying by and Mm. they're kicking up the cold wind. Okay. It it went right through my (laughs) it went right through my body and the hair on my nose froze. That's how cold it was. And this guy comes out with his um he had like a bedroll you know back uh, a backpack and a sleeping bag and he looked across the way and he said you see that field full of snow and I looked at him and I thought oh don't mess with me <laughs> right? Like, right I don't know you don't mess with me don't talk to me and right I said <laughs> I said your yeah, arm's length what about you know what about that field out there and he goes well you're not going to get a ride this time of night. No one will see you because all the lights are gone. Air, you know, restaurant lights are turned off, and there's nowhere right. else to go right now. And he said, I suggest, and I thought, oh, I'm not going to like this. And no. he said, um, I suggest fully clothed, we crawl underneath into the sleeping bag together and stay warm with body heat. And, oh, you know, I was shaking. I was that cold, and I was tired, and my ears hurt, and I thought, you know what, Um, survival skills kick in, and I thought, and not only that, but I was already pregnant. (laughs) Exactly. Think about it, right? I have to think about it. That's what I was just thinking about. That's just what I was thinking about. (laughs) You know, so I thought, okay, fine, and we jumped in, and I don't know how well anybody Either one of us slept, but we must have slept a little bit because the sun came up. And when I opened my eyes, there was this great big cow looking down at us. And I thought, okay, 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 I'm out of here. (laughs) (laughs) And it it was more like, okay, thanks so much for the sleeping bag. Bye. Bye. And I went west and I went east. So, um, you know, one of the things that I'm reminded of frequently is we are all authors of our own life story. Okay, and um, it's important to remember who's writing that story. Are you holding right. a pen, or is, are you letting someone else? At right. that point right. in time, you know, at that point in time, I was holding the pen, but I did mm-hmm. get to Niagara Falls, and beyond all odds, I did find him at the bus station, and okay. I thought, yay, you know, um, and at the bus station. The big mistake I made was I gave him the pen for my life story. Oh, this boy. is where the uglies start to hit. Yeah, this is where the uglies start to hit, so get your tissues if you're ready, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it, nothing happened at first. Right. But um, after the baby was born, 
we were living in a really tiny cockroach-infested apartment. And one day he got angry because I was cooking hot dogs. I didn't know how to cook. I barely oh. knew how to turn on a gas stove, okay? And oh, wow. Um, he was sick and tired of hot dogs, and the next thing you know, I'm dodging a flying pot of hot water. And Ooh. I thought, okay, yeah, that's going to leave a mark. I scooped up my baby and on a diaper bag, what? and it was later in the evening, and I, um, I left. In the middle of the night, I left. I thought, right. no one's treating me like that. Right? Right. Okay. Here it is, the middle of the night. I've got a baby in my arms. She's maybe a month old. And I thought, I have no money. I have no money. I don't have a job. I don't have a car. And I have nowhere to go. If I call the police, they're not going to believe me because Mm -hmm. there's no proof that anybody hurt me. Right. And I thought, I don't have a choice. I don't have a choice. The only choice I have is what am I going to do, call mom and dad? I'm in Pennsylvania, right. for heaven's sake. And I had too much pride still. So I went back. And right. I know that a lot of people do um, go back mm-hmm. because they don't have money. They don't have options. Mm-hmm. And, back in, mm-hmm. and back in those days, you know, and back in those days, they didn't have shelters either. Exactly. At least I didn't know of any. Exactly. So um, my daughter was about a year old, and, yeah, there had been run-ins and stuff and, you know, but mostly it was flying objects, and I learned how to tuck and roll and dodge. <laughs> you know, right. Grab the baby and duck. And, That's um, it. And I finally ate a piece of humble pie, and I called my mom and dad because we started um, talking about moving um, out to Washington. And I thought, you know, I could see mom and dad. They don't even, you know, they barely even know where I am because I would send them postcards from time to time and let them know I was okay. Did you ever tell them you were pregnant? No, they didn't know about their granddaughter until she was almost a year old. Wow. That's that's how afraid I was of my dad. And um, that's a story that will come out in the book, why why I was afraid of my dad. But um, we did move back to Washington, and along came baby number two. (laughs) Okay. Baby number two. And uh, we ended up back in Canada. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff in here. I'm just going to skip through. But um, Mm -hmm. one of the things that happened was um, I used to work in a nightclub in um, Vancouver. And this is where it starts to get really ugly because he didn't trust me. And if you understand abuse, you know, there's a lot of – there's six different kinds of abuse. Mm -hmm. And um, I'll get into that a little bit, but – or I can do it right now. There's six types of abuse. It's the physical, the sexual, the verbal and emotional, the mental where they try to control your thinking, financial, mm-hmm. and, the cult- and the cultural. And mm-hmm. in, the, in the years that I was with him, um, I experienced all of that many, many times. It wasn't just one thing. It was all of it. And when I was working at the nightclub, he um, jealous. Oh, my gosh, was he jealous. And he would yeah. hire a babysitter at nighttime and then stalk me on the work, on, on, you oh know, my at the workroom floor. And he would hide in the shadows, so I didn't know he was there. And then, right. he would, um, then he would go home, 
And, you know, I would make tips so that I would have money for groceries, right? Right. And, um, and I would get home, and he would beat me home. I don't know how he did it, but he would beat me home. And there was one, one afternoon when he really got on a he, – he drank a lot, and he got on this war path. And I knew, okay, I mean, anybody that's ever been in any kind of abuse understands when I say I was walking on eggshells. Yes. And trying so hard to please him. And I knew that um, I knew that everything was going to hit the fan. So I hid my kids in the closet. And my kids were um, about three and five. Wow. (laughs) I hid my kids in the closet. And um, I put some toys and books in there because my daughter was an avid reader. And I Mm -hmm. gave them a flashlight. And I said, now, don't come out until I come and get you. Keep the door closed because it was the closet door and it was the bedroom closet door because we had a tiny studio apartment. Okay. You know, it was only like it was a tiny one room thing. And, um, And I said, now, don't you guys come out, okay? And we won't, Mommy. And I said, no matter what you hear, you stay in here and play with your toys. And he got ugly. He got really, really ugly. And the next thing you know, I was thrown across the side of the bed. And back in those days, spousal rape was not a crime. Nope. And I won't go, I won't go into details, but um, he – hang on. Hang on. I've got to breathe. He, um, he did what he needed to do. And I buried mm-hmm. my face in a pillow so my kids wouldn't hear me cry. My God. I didn't want my kids. Yeah, I didn't want my kids to hear me cry. And I just right. prayed. I prayed they wouldn't open the door and see the monster that their father was. Right. So um, that being said, well, let's move on, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because mm-hmm. there's you're other doing great. episodes. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, one gave you're me. doing great. That one gave me a little goosebumps, but I'm okay. Okay. This, okay, the cycle of violence, you know, we all know that there's like a, a time when they blow up and they do mm-hmm. whatever they have to do. You know, they're narcissists and they think they're perfect. And in the end... Right. Um, we start thinking that, okay, it's getting better, and we fall into that um, false sense of security with the honeymoon period, okay? Go. And they there feel so bad. They feel so bad, and they're crying. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, I'm sorry, I'll never do mm-hmm. that again. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, um, remember, when I, remember when I was 18 years old and I was hoping that I would end up being in love with a guy who had already been to Vietnam? Right. <laughs> he, had, he was a Vietnam vet. And he had oh, a serious wow. case of PTSD. He had a serious case of PTSD. And I saw evidence of it through the years, right? And mm-hmm. I gave him the benefit of the doubt, and I forgave him because he had PTSD. And I thought, right. well, okay, he doesn't always have his full faculties, right? And, right. And uh, <laughs> I kept thinking, okay, you know, he's saying he's sorry, okay. But... Um, Every time we, we moved a lot, we moved a lot because he couldn't hold down a job. And so, you know, it was, we would keep moving. And um, we went up and down, you know, 
the West Coast. We were in Canada. We were down in California, you know, uh, Oregon. We didn't get to California the last time, but we were in Oregon and stuff. And the whole thing is that he could never hold on to a job because he had bad temper. And um, so for me, it was more like, okay, I'm tired of being hungry. I'm tired of being Mm -hmm. poor. I'm tired of worrying about how I'm going to feed my kids. And I started mm-hmm. taking control. Okay, I had two jobs. And my two jobs were never enough. But I heard wow. that in, um, um, in Snohomish, Washington, the post office was hiring. And a year earlier, I had taken the post office test to be gotcha. a carrier. And I thought, okay, let's see what I can do. Well, this is a girl who's afraid to drive a car. Okay, I was afraid <laughs> to drive a car. And I was going after a job where I had to drive my car from the wrong side of the front seat to deliver the mail. Right. <laughs> and I'm thinking, really? And I thought, how in the world am I going to do this when I was already suffering low self-esteem, um, no self-love, and I had absolutely right. no confidence anymore, okay? No. And I thought, mm-hmm. all right. But I had a really good, powerful test score. And I thought, you know what? I'm not a dummy. You know, I've, I've got, you know, I've got proof here in the test score. Right. So I started, <laughs> so I started going to the postmaster in Snohomish and I, a big, huge oak door, right? And I, mm-hmm. I'm a neat little, little woman that I am. And I'm pounding on the door like Broomhilda. <laughs> <laughs> and he opens, he opens the door, and this guy is like, to me, he looked like he was 10 feet tall. And I thought, oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> and, and, I'm, and he goes, can I help you? And I go, I understand you have um, a couple openings for a rural carrier. I'd like, to try, I'd like to apply for the job. Here's my test score. And he looked at it, and he asked a couple questions, and he says, we already hired someone. Come back. You know, don't, go away. You know, go away. Oh wow. And, oh wow. And I thought, you have three jobs and if you hired one if my math is right, there's you got still two, two jobs there. Right. That's right. So I walked away because, you know, that's what we do when we're um abused and so insecure. We walk away and lick our wounds and and um there was another I'm sure there was a fight that ensued at home. And I thought, mm-hmm. dang it, you know, dang it, I'm going back. I went there right. three times three times that week and I thought he is going to get so sick of seeing me he's going to hire me (laughs) and you know um my um I have a friend who who uh his name is Dr. Michael Gross and his quote is what the mind that what the mind conceives the body will believe that's right and this mind conceived that I would be a rural mail carrier so I went back one more time and he finally sits me down in his office because he looked at me rolled his eyes and thought oh no it's you again not her again <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, he, but he had a he had an assistant with him sitting in the chair next to him, you know in the corner and he goes well this is the job this is what you have to do you have to provide a car and at the time I didn't have a car okay because the okay. only car we had was was um George was driving back and forth to work and at that time he had a little job at a prison in Monroe and I thought, all right, I have to figure out how to get a car, but I'll worry about that later. I just need this job right now. I really need this right. job. And, and I, I jumped over every hurdle he threw out there. And then he threw out the one that 
that um, really made me gasp because he goes, you need to have your immigration papers in order. Remember, I'm a Canadian. Right. And I thought, oh, I'm like, oh, snap, they're still not 100% ready. And I said, no problem, I've got them. You know, I'll have that by Friday. Man, I thought, oh, okay. my gosh. <laughs> you know, right, I'm, right. Heading INS, I'm heading to INS in Seattle now, right? right. And, uh, <laughs> I was like, okay. So, but I that. did. You know, when you want something bad enough, you find a way to do it. It doesn't do. matter what it is. You find a way to do it because he dangled that carrot and said, I had the job if I had the paperwork. Right. And I thought, all right. So I went, and hours after hours at INS, I got the paperwork. I got the stamp. They moved the border to Seattle, and they worked with me. And I was so excited when I came out of INS with the paperwork, knowing I had a job, knowing I had a job. And he tells me, George, tells me he just quit his job. The wind right out of my sails. And I thought, great. You know, yay, right? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So I ended up starting my job. And I thought, well, okay, then he can watch the kids. Right? What are you going to do, right? And they right. were they were um, kind of school age, and I, and I had a job at a nursing home at night because I was a um, certified nurse's aide, and I kept my skills, and so I went down. So I worked at night, and I had like one day a week working at the post office, right? And right. I thought it's my foot in the door. It's my foot in the door that I can have health benefits. I didn't have health benefits. We hadn't heard right. anything. And I would go and stand at the food bank line to get food to feed the kids. And, you know, wow. that, was always, that was always kind of a tough thing to stand there and watch all these people. And I was like, I have three jobs and I'm still in the food bank line. You know, this is nuts. And, um, mm-hmm. But you do what you have to do so that you love your kids. I mean, you love your kids. You're gonna That's right. That's right. And there were times that, you know, and there were times I went hungry. But my kids never did. My kids always had a food That's right. at night. Sacrifice, and, yeah. <laughs> and um, delivering, I got, I bought a, I bought a two hundred dollar junker car from the junkyard in Snohomish. It had no exhaust pipe, <laughs> and oh, all my postal customers heard me coming. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, my. and my boss, my boss said, you know, you need to get that fixed. And I said, first paycheck, sir. And I did. And, you know, I'm incredibly blessed that I was able to find within a year, um, I was able to transfer to a full-time postal job on Bainbridge Island, which um, came with a whole lot of challenges, okay? But um, Mm -hmm. there was a lot of of the abuse and the, the whatnot going on, but the thing was that I was in control and I had an income. And I kept on going because I knew that this is me. And now is the time when things are going to get better. And, you know, the abuse kept happening. It didn't go away. But what happened was I got a little stronger because I had a little confidence. And I, you know, and I finally figured out how to drive from the wrong side of the front seat. And I actually got really good at it. (laughs) Scared the car sales guys (laughs) a few times, but that's okay. You know, but, um, but the, um, I'm happy to say that um, I retired from that job with um, full benefits and a pension. It saved it saved my kids and me. But um, 
before I got uh, before I got too far along in my story, the last time the abuse was totally out of control was um, July the fourth, nineteen eighty six, and that sounds like a really really long time ago, and it is. And mm-hmm. what happened was that we were at a Fourth of July party, and I want to explain this one because um, there's a reason. This is the segue into what happened next. It was a 4th of July party, and my kids are in the house playing with my girlfriend's kids upstairs. And, you know, there's drinking. It's the 4th of July. Everybody's having a good time. Right, right. right. And um, um, he got jealous. He got angry. And we were in the pickup truck in the driveway. And he threw me in on the driver's side. And, oh, God. Um, you know, because it was the same, you know, it was the only place that he, could, he wouldn't have a witness. You know, because the party was on the other side of the house and right. in the house by then. And, you know, you talk about the, the hands around the neck. Yeah, I mm-hmm. know what that feels like. Okay. Yeah. And, you, you know, and it's not the first time, you know, I've had my head slam into the walls, into the floor. I've been thrown downstairs and all that stuff. So I know what that feels like. Yeah. But, you know, um, I have three flat spots on the back of my head from having my head wow. pounded into walls and concrete. Okay. Wow. But this one, this one was the catalyst for things that started to change. Am I talking too fast or am I okay? No, no, you, you're good. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Cause I, I don't want to, um, I have to keep going. Otherwise, otherwise I might stop. <laughs> yeah. just Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. I was, you know, we were all, I was leaning on alcohol, living on, uh, living that kind of a life that I lived. Um, I would drink before I went home at night because it gave me courage to go home. Right. And so uh, during this party and the fact that he had thrown me into the cab of the truck, I was trying to scamper to the passenger side and get out. And the door was locked and I didn't get out. And I don't mm-hmm. know how long it lasted, okay, but... I, my head was slammed into the back, the window a lot of times, repeatedly, to the point where I just prayed I would die. Please just, you know, just kill me. Just do me, you know, just do it. And I, I remember through the tears, I remember through the tears, I looked out the window above my head, and I could see my kids, both of them looking out the bedroom window. Oh, wow. And I thought... I thought, oh, my gosh, I hope they don't see what's going on in here. But, you know, they probably did. And mm-hmm. it was like something in my mind snapped. Okay. Mm-hmm. When you have your fight and flight or you freeze, you know, right. I couldn't flee. I couldn't flee because the door could, I couldn't unlock the door right away. Right. And, and I couldn't freeze because um, I didn't want to die. And so I fought back. And what happened was I fought back, got enough space so that I could get out of the car, out of the truck. And then I went and I, um, I asked, I went to the house and I asked if my kids could spend the night. And she knew something was going on because she could see it in my face. Right. But he was very, very selective. He never hit me in the face. He would choke they're me. They're smart. Yeah, they're smart. On the side of the head. Yeah, mm-hmm. the side of the head and the torso. Oh, yeah, I have so many bruises. But oh, yeah. Was, you know, after the, uh, there were a couple times I had black eyes. 
but then he realized that, you know what, every time the cops got called, um, if the cops saw the black guys, he would go to jail. He's guilty. Right. So, but they never, they never saw the black guys. And unfortunately, well, fortunately, unfortunately, I don't know. My body didn't bruise until the next day. You, you might mm-hmm. see red mark but, or in welts, but I didn't bruise until the next day. So um, that was the night I started fighting back, and I kept fighting back. I got counseling. Um, a lot of things happened. I won't go into a whole lot of detail, but um, mm-hmm. I was so devastated that he was sleeping in an old mail truck in our, okay, in our driveway, and mm-hmm. I had locked him out of the house. I had finally locked him out of the house, and I was beside myself. I really didn't know what to do. I really didn't right. know what to do, but he passed out in the mail truck, and um, it was one that we had bought from a private party. And I went mm-hmm. out there, and in my rage and in my anguish, I just I took him by the side of his head, and I pounded his head into the ground, on the, well, actually the wow. floor of the truck. Just, wow. You know, and I know I was thinking, see what you feel like now. And he was so mm. passed out, he never even knew what happened. But, oh, my um, goodness. Yeah, so I couldn't stay in the house. I was afraid to stay in the house. And uh, there was, I took the truck. We had a couple of trucks. I took the other pickup truck, and I didn't know where to go. But there was a little local fire fire department down the road, and I went there. And uh, I actually, no, I took my car. I, I didn't have the truck. I had my car. Because I remember being so devastated. There were beer cans in my car. And oh, and I was in tears. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was in tears, and I parked in front of the fire hall, and I turned off the car, and I just sat there. And I cried and cried and cried, and I wouldn't move. And the firefighters were like, what are you doing here? You know, and they were tapping on the window, and I wouldn't even open it. I didn't trust anyone. Right. And finally, you know, finally, I, I don't know how much time went by, but I opened the window a crack, and they said, you know, you can't leave here. Because if we see beer cans and if you leave here, we're going to have to get, you know, the police are going to have to arrest you. Right. And, and I looked in, I looked at the firefighter and I said, it's okay. I don't have anywhere to go. I don't have anywhere to go. I'll just sit right here. And he goes, well, you can't sit right here. <laughs> You're blocking the fire, dark, fire hall. Right. right. He goes, he goes um, will you come inside? And I went, nope. Is there someone here that you know? And there was. I knew the fire chief a tiny bit. Okay. And they called him. They called him. He came in the middle of the night, I don't know, maybe 4 o'clock in the morning. And he finally coaxed me out of the car and started wow. pouring coffee into me. And and um, from there, it ends up, you know, counseling and a whole lot of other work. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you don't know what you're doing, you know, you, number one, you shouldn't be driving. <laughs> we really right. shouldn't be driving. Right. But um, number two, you try to find someone who will hear you. Just right. Someone. Understand. Right. And um, it was around that time that um, Farrah Fawcett was starring in a movie called The Burning Bed. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody remembers that. But yes, um, I do. Okay. I was uh, at that point in time um, in my car. There was a can of gas. And I was ready to set my house on fire with him in it. Hmm. Wow. Desperate wow. Times. 
I had a mobile home. Yeah, I had a mobile home, and that mobile home would have gone up in minutes. Yes, the mobile home, and I didn't do it because I didn't want to be that person, and I didn't want my kids to be homeless. Okay, I didn't want my kids to be homeless. Right. So that was um, that was George. Okay. And with a lot of counseling and a lot of help, George starts playing the narcissist stuff. Um, he got a job working on the other side of the water, and he would stalk me. He would show up behind the mailbox. He would follow me in his truck. I was so paranoid. And finally, you know, um, it, took, it took a while before I finally divorced him. Mm-hmm. But it took a while. And before I divorced him, another predator swooped in. Okay. Before you go into into this story, uh, I just want you to, because I can hear that the tears are all right there. So just just to just kind of mellow down for a minute, we're gonna uh, have another song by the group called God okay. Movement, a group from the U.S. Virgin Island. Virgin Island, what's up? What's up, Virgin Island? So go ahead and get you some water, calm down a little bit, and after the song, we're gonna come right back. Okay. Sounds good. Okay, you're doing great. Thank you. You're listening to Victory Over the Weights of Life. Over the Weights of War. With Sis Diane LeBrin. Right now on TPV Radio. And look at my full protection and how you desire. 
You're listening to Victory Over the Weights of Life, Over the Weights of War, with Sis Diane LeBrand, right now on TPV Radio. Right, all right. That was a God movement from the U.S. Virgin Islands. Virgin Islands, what's up? What's up? Want to give a big shout out to all my Caribbean people, to my people in Trinidad, my Haitian brothers and and our sisters. Sakpase, Haitian Sakpase, Nabule, Nabule. I'm in the house. All right, I'm in the building. I hope you guys have been uh, paying attention, and I hope you guys uh, were picking up what she had been laying down because she gave a lot of information. Amen. So this is the reason why I love having guest speakers because when you hear their stories, it encourages your heart. It makes you think. And if you've never been in an abusive relationship, if you've never been around it, none of this makes sense. But every person who's been involved in any kind of abusive relationship, any kind of toxic relationship, everything she says makes sense, and you can connect with it. And one of the things that she said, and so many parents, especially mothers, we do that all the time. We stay in the relationship for the children, not realizing we are destroying our children while we're thinking we're protecting them. If you have the opportunity to walk away from an abusive relationship and you have babies, I know you think, oh, they need their father or they need their mother. I'm telling you, in the long run, it's not going to be as good as you think it's going to be because some way, somehow, or the other, as they witness this abuse, their way of thinking is going to change. And like she said, especially when it comes to the the party that is the narcissist, what they're going to do is try to turn that child against the other parent. So they're teaching the children how to be deceitful, They're teaching them how to lie. They're teaching and molding them into becoming narcissists like they are. One of the things that we have to know about people who are narcissists, I call them the perfect chameleon because that's what I called my ex-husband in my second book, I'm Not In It By Myself. I call him the perfect chameleon because whatever the atmosphere is, they are able to adapt to it. 
Whatever is called for, if it's politics, they're there. If it's sports, they're there. If it's church, they're there. They might not even go to church. And the ones who do go to church, they will take the scriptures and they will flip it and use God's words in a negative manner to abuse their victim. So we are getting a lot of good information from TU tonight. I just want to thank you so much for being so open, for being so forthcoming and honest. Because like I said to you before, you don't know who in what part of the world that is listening to your message right now. And your message is bringing them hope. Your message is letting them know it's okay. You know, it's okay. It's not your fault. You may have gone through some things because like you say, you can either give somebody the pen to write your life or you can write your life yourself. And it's never too late to snatch that pen out of that other person's hand and you begin to write the life that you want for yourself and if you have children for your children. So please help me welcome back again to you as she go ahead and she tells us a little bit more about her story. We have about we have about uh, 35 minutes. So to you, uh the mic is yours for about 35 minutes. <laughs> Are you there? Uh-oh, did we lose our caller? T.U., are you there? Okay, we're going to do another song selection. Let me see if I can get her back. I think we might have gotten disconnected or something, so I'm going to try to see if I can get her back. Thank you, everybody. Don't go anywhere. We're going we're gonna to get this together because what she's given to us is, is great stuff. You're listening to Victory Over the Weights of Life. Over the Weights of War. With Sis Diane LeBrand. Right now on TPV Radio. Freedom ring over our sweet 
Over the weights of life. Over the weights of war. With sis Diane LeBrand. Right now on TPV Radio. Alright. Welcome back everybody. Welcome back. We had a little technical difficulty. Usually when stuff happens like that, I always believe it is the enemy's way of stopping or trying that what God is doing. This tells me there is somebody who needs this, somebody is paying very close attention, and this is somebody's answer that they have been praying for. So, T, are you back? I am. Can you hear me? All right. We got you. Thank you. Sweet. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Can you? Uh, we have like 25 minutes. Yes, yeah, 25 minutes to go. And uh, go perfect. ahead, ma'am. You have the floor for the next 25 minutes. <laughs> That's perfect because this is the best part of the whole story. Okay. So uh, what, once I got out of that situation, um, you know, um, abusers are predators, okay? They're watching for that time. Then, you know, and a gentleman came along, and uh, he pretended to be a gentleman, very, very deceitful, and he swooped in at my most vulnerable time, and I let him stay. And I ended up Mm -hmm. spending another six years, and I justified his abuse because he never raised a hand to me, but everything else he did. Out of all the other six um, abuses, he did everything else. So I was like in financial ruin. Now, Tia, let me ask you, I'm sorry to disturb you, but there is one thing that I don't hear very much about, and I don't think I've ever spoken about that type of abuse. If you can just broaden our horizon and just tell us a little bit about what cultural abuse is. Cultural abuse, yeah, um, absolutely. My, um, my second abuser didn't really do that, but the first one did because he would always um, berate me. I was a girl, okay? I'm a woman. Mm-hmm. I'm an Estonian. Mm-hmm. I'm Estonian, okay? You can't buy a house. No one's going to sell you a house. You can't do oh, wow. this because, because you talk funny. You know, oh, wow. um, he destroyed he destroyed my credit. He ran around and wrote bad checks and signed my name. So oh, I had boy. to go back and pick everything out. Um, he, you know, a lot of it when I was a kid um, and my father was, you know, he wouldn't let me put the worm on the fishing hook because you're a girl. You because can't you're do Because you're a girl. Yeah. Right, because you're a girl. There was a lot of um, um, demeaning comments because, you're you're too young. You're too you're a girl. Mm-hmm. You're um, you talk funny. You look funny. Um, wow. You know, in the Asian in the Asian culture, you can't do you can't make eye contact. That's a cultural thing that you're not supposed to do. Oh. But um, oh, wow. I didn't I didn't make eye contact with anyone because I didn't feel I was worthy. Okay? Right. Um, when when I finally had an opportunity to step out on my own, I went to school, 
and I took cultural diversity classes and I started going to college because I had been told I was stupid and mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, and I honestly thought I was, but, and it took me 10 years to get a four-year degree, but I have a bachelor's degree in human services wow. and management because I stuck it out. And Thank I, you yeah. know, and I was an honor roll grad because, uh, you yeah. know, my G- yeah, my GPA was like a <laughs> 3.9, you know, yes. so... Um, when I stepped away from other people's opinions and I grabbed that pen to write my life story, I started, mm-hmm. uh, remember, I was scared to death to drive, okay? Right. And, um, and I had gotten to the point where I could deliver the mail, but it was still, if I had to go 10 miles down the road to get groceries, I was petrified. It took me hmm. a long time to get the courage up. And it was last year, and I just have to give myself a pat on the back, because last year I did a 5,400-mile road trip to Dallas, Texas, from Seattle by myself. Yes! yes. Gross! So don't ever let anyone else, uh, never let anyone else's opinions of you or limits on mm-hmm. you stop you from mm-hmm. defining who you really are, okay? Fantastic. Um, I like that. Yeah, I started hanging out in AA because I had to, and, and um, I took up skydiving, and I went to college, and I started becoming a published photographer. I ran a marathon in San Diego, and I did a mission trip in uh, Cameroon, Africa, talking wow. about the most rewarding moments are when you give of, of yourself to others. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you might only own one pair of shoes, but imagine the one person who doesn't even have a pair of feet. Yeah. Humbling. Yeah. So one of the things in therapy that I was taught to do was um, you have to make a gratitude list. And I made a gratitude list, and I would start Mm -hmm. writing letters to God. Um, I had walked away from God, the true source, a long, long time ago. And I really... um, I feel bad, but I don't blame myself. I forgive myself because of what I went through, you know, and it is what it is. And I know that God, the true source, never left me, never. No matter hmm. how hard I prayed to die, I, I'm still here, okay? And I'm okay. here for a reason. I'm That's here right. to share my story and help other people look around and look at the choices that they have. Um, I, like I said once before, I met Dr. Michael Gross. He's the author of The Spiritual Primer, and I'm truly blessed because he opened my eyes and my heart to the unconditional love of God that I had walked away from. Amen. I was raised in a church, always believed there was a God, but through the years that I had and the fact that I was married to an atheist, I doubted mm-hmm. And, you, you know, um, when you're fearful and you're just trying to survive and there's no one to hear you, you right. know, it's a pretty lonely road. But um, I was reminded that um, we're all an aspect of God, the true source. We all, um, I've always believed we were born of love and each one of us was given a special gift. And Absolutely. it's up to us. It's up to us to find that gift embrace mm-hmm. it and and um allow uh, the true source to work through us because right. we are loved and we need to share that with the people that 
feel as lonely as I used to. Um, right. You know, ask yourself, um, what do I share? What do I give? And how do I help others grow? Buddha quoted, um, this is a Buddha quote that I really, really love. In the end, only three things matter. How much you loved, how gently you lived, and how gracefully you let go of the things not meant for you. There are things in my life that I wish I could switch. My daughter, um, unfortunately, fell victim to um, a lot of the things that happened to me. And I don't know the details because we don't talk. And I know that someday in my heart she'll come back into my life. But right now she's on her own journey. Um, So once more, I'm going to repeat this one quote. What the mind conceives, the body Mm -hmm. will believe. Michael Gross taught me that one. And I'm a firm believer that um, he also unlocked the door that allows me to grow in spirituality and in my faith and not be a victim of fear anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. I've come a long way. I've really, really, really done a lawfully lonely journey. And there were times, like I said, I wanted to die. But for whatever reason, you know, I didn't know my purpose in life. I honestly didn't know what I would do. I thought I wanted to be an archaeologist, remember? (laughs) I wanted to go (laughs) dig dirt. (laughs) Right, right. And what I found isn't digging dirt at all. It's it's saving lives. It's saving souls. And Mm -hmm. I can't imagine a more rewarding mission to be on than the one I'm on today. So I forget. Yeah, it it warms my heart. And what I really like is that um, I can look back and forgive all those people who ever hurt me. Yes. I can forgive George. That is one major, oh, I'm sorry, but I was going to say that is one major aspect of healing and and leaving the past behind and moving forward is Mm -hmm. releasing and forgiving people. I tried to tell that to victims very often, but they, a lot of them believe they are hurting the abuser by them having all this hate and animosity and unforgiveness in their hearts towards them. And oftentimes I have to remind them and say they don't care because they've moved on. They've probably gotten remarried, have more children. They don't care, and you're walking around miserable and bitter and mean and not realizing they may be gone, and now you are the new them. So you are the one Mm -hmm. who is now abusing yourself, you know. So Mm -hmm. we have got to forgive. We have got to let go. It's not for them. It's for us. It's for the victim. The minute you can forgive them and let them go. And some, it, and I know it's easy to say, but it's a really difficult thing to do because, like you say, when you sit back and you look over your life and you see the things that they did to you and, and how were you able to take it and all you tried to do was just love that person and they couldn't get that simple message. In return, they abused you, they misused you, they treated you less than a dog. So uh, mm-hmm. you have to forgive, ladies and gentlemen, you have to forgive. It's not for you. I learned what true forgiveness is from a movie. 
for I heard a lot of people saying, well, you got to forgive, you got to forgive, you got to forgive. And I was watching one of Tyler Perry's movie, and he brought that in so clearly. When when the when Madea's character, she said, holding on to forgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting mm-hmm. the other person to die. It's never going to happen. You're going to destroy yeah. yourself. You're going to die. So I, I, I always pray and I always ask God, make sure there's no unforgiveness in my heart because we have the reasons to be upset. We have reasons to, to feel the way we do. The one person I don't want to be like is my abuser. No, 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 no. And when we don't forgive, we become just like them. Absolutely. And, you know, forgiveness um, leads to, to your healing, okay? I, mm-hmm. I thank every single one of them for the lessons that I've learned. And I'm Absolutely. very, very grateful, and I wish them all the very best. You know, there's mm-hmm. one lesson that I want to make sure I stress here. Um, all my life, I've lived in a prison of fear. Even when I thought I was free, I was still in a prison with a door wide open because it was my mindset, mm. my low self-esteem, right. my, my, right. my low self-worth, my so, low, low self-love. Okay? I really didn't have the confidence to do anything. And that fear is like a parasite that will devour your dreams oh, yeah. and eat you to your soul. It'll settle. Yes, it will. I mean, and you will be complacent, settling for a life of mediocrity with no goals, and that's not what we're here on this planet for. That's right. not. Say so today, I choose love. So I want right. everybody to ask yourself, what will you choose? Will it be fear or love? Who's writing your story? What are you settling for in your life? The biggest lesson I ever learned was that. The love that I so desperately looked for all over the place was right here inside me the whole time. The one thing that helped me stay alive was that little voice inside because that was God talking to me. That's right. And and every time I listened to that voice, um, the right things happened. (laughs) The right things happened because True Source was always guiding me. Exactly. um, you know, because I listened to the voice, I lived in Arizona for 10 years, and, and there was this urge to come back to Washington, and I really didn't want to because my grandsons are down there. But mm-hmm. um, there was such an urge to move back to Washington, and I'm so glad I did because I was here when my mom passed away, and I was here for my dad. You know, right. you have to listen to that voice inside you, even if your right brain is saying, oh, no, no, no. That's ego talking, mm-hmm. and don't yes. let your ego destroy your goals. Right. Um, I want to thank you so much, Dion, for allowing me to share my journey with you. I have mm-hmm. so much I can share in the book, okay? I really, truly do. Um, okay, there are some I, people There are some people on the line. Uh, mm-hmm. Our producer just told me uh, some people need your information, so can you – Give your email address if somebody needs to get in contact with you. Uh, I what sure is can. the name of your first book and when is it coming out? It's soon to be, it's probably going to be out in the fall. Um, it's called Healing mm-hmm. the Holes in Your Soul. And you can actually uh, go to my website right now 
and you can put your name and your email in the website, and I can get back to you that way. Uh, you can get a pre-sale order, and I'll send you an autographed copy. It's www.healingtheholesinyoursoul.com. Um, if, if you want to reach me, I'm going to give you my personal self, okay? And I'm honored to give everyone who reaches out to me a complimentary consultation. Uh, my personal mm-hmm. cell is 480-223-7921. I'll say that okay, one more time, that again. okay? Yes. Okay, it's 480-223-7921. And just um, leave your number and say the word soul on the voicemail or text me. And that way I'll get it and I'll know it's um, that you're calling me regarding this call. Okay? Right. Because that's okay, that what about word social is our media? link. I'm also on Facebook. If you'd like to find me there, I'm on Facebook. It's T-U Christina Knapp, and Knapp is spelled N-A-P-P. T-U mm-hmm. is P-I-I-U. <laughs> and so I'm cool. saying it backwards. That is such a cool name. <laughs> that is such a cool name. Yeah. It's an Estonian name. <laughs> yeah, it is so oh. cool. I was like, whoa. Okay, and this is my email, okay? Uh, my email is my first name, T-I-I-U. Is a letter F like Samson. Then the word focus, because I am a photographer and you have to focus in. And the number four. <laughs> and the number four at gmail.com. All right. Shall Give I that one again? more time. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's T-I-I-U, the letter F like in Samson, the word focus, the number four at gmail.com. Fantastic. Okay. Now you said one you more had... thing I want to add. Huh? Okay, go ahead. No, I was going to okay, say I'm... you said you, had, you were working on a second book, and I was just wondering, yes. did you already have like a timeline for the second one as well? That one's going to probably come out in the spring. Okay. Um, that one has a little more research because it's a document. Um, it's an autobiography to honor my mom and dad. Um, Abraham okay. Lincoln once said that the written word it's the only way that dad can speak to the yet born. And this is a he message for my it. children and my grandchildren from my mom and dad. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. That is fantastic. So, so this is the one thing I want to leave you guys all with, okay? When you look into the mirror every night before you go to bed, say this to yourself three times and repeat it because it will repeat in your mind many times while you're sleeping. And that way it will empower you, okay? Look in the mirror and say to you, or whatever your name is, okay? Say, I am worthy, I am loved, I am unlimited. One more time. I am worthy, I am loved, I am unlimited. I am unlimited. Remember what my friend Michael Gross says, what the mind conceives, the body will believe, And if you feed that into your mind every night before you go to sleep, that's the one thing that will resonate through your body into your cellular structure while you're resting and healing. Right. Because healing, for uh, for you to start healing, you have to replace all the negative things that were said to you, which caused you to 
even say them back to yourself. You have to replace all of those with something positive. You have to counteract all the lies with the truth. So if they tell you you're ugly, you have to look in that mirror and say you're beautiful until you see beauty looking back at you. If they told you you were stupid, look in the mirror until you see a genius before you. Whatever it is that they told you, don't believe it. It's psychological warfare, basically. They try to tear you down in the mind. And it's like she said, it's what if your mind is set right, your body has to go. Joyce Meyer, she says it like this, where the mind leads, the body has to follow. It starts in the mind. If your mind is everywhere and you have anything in your mind, then your body is just out there. You have got to give your mind something to focus on. And the most important person to focus on is you. Now, somebody might say, well, that's a little selfish. That's a little bit selfish. It's not selfish because if you are not, if you are not whole in your mind, if you are not healthy in your mind, you cannot be there for the people that you love and that loves you. If your mind is not all together, you cannot give them the best part of you. So you have got to counteract all the lies that they said with the truth. And the truth is, you are phenomenal. You are amazing. You are fantastic. Do you know how awesome you are? When God created you, he only created one of you. There's never been another like you, nor will there ever be. So everything that was said to destroy you were all lies. To you, you have anything else to say? I could say one more thing, yeah. Um, go ahead, I go ahead. Read not too long, I read not too long ago that fear is a liar. Remember that. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. people instill fear into you, whether they do it with their actions or their words, it's a lie. And it's you have that choice to either believe that lie or you believe the truth, which is love. You know, right. um, I, choose to, I choose to breathe and believe love because it's all... Everything is an energy, okay? Love is an energy, and fear is an energy. And the one thing that you, they cannot survive together in the same, in the same plane. The most powerful, the powerful energy out there in the world is love. And if there was, and what our goal is, is to make sure that we love one another and we start by loving ourselves. You know, we make mistakes, we all do. Every single one of us has made mistakes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Forgive yourself and start loving. Right. It speaks volumes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Diane, for letting me do this. Uh, Thank you so much. I appreciate you so much. Uh, Go ahead again before you leave one more time. Let the people know the name of your book. Give them your website one more time and your email to get in contact with you. Absolutely. The name of the book is Healing the Holes in Your Soul. And the website is www.healingtheholesinyoursoul.com. My phone number, my private cell, is 480-223-7921. And it's an Arizona number, but I'm up in Washington now. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. I'm all over the world on the Internet, right? (laughs) <laughs> and I mean, we really are now. 
Um, I'm you on sure Facebook. are. You sure are. <laughs> yeah. You um, are everywhere. Now. My, and my um, my email is T I I U. The letter S, like in Samson. The word focus. The number four at gmail.com. I would love right. to hear from you guys. Right. Again, to you, thank you so very, very much. I appreciate it. I wish you nothing but the absolute best. Please stay in contact with me. Let me know when the book is out. So when the book is out, you can come back and you can tell the people about the book. Amen. So we can get the message out there. There were too many people hurting from domestic abuse, and they think or they're feeling as though they are in it by themselves, and they are not. So, again, I want to thank you, give Tia, uh, to you a hand, welcome her. Uh, I mean, welcome. I'm getting you started all over again. <laughs> Tell her to thank you. Let her know how much we appreciate her. You were brave. You were excellent. Amen. Very, very often, I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. Brother Chris will say very, very often, Sister Diane doesn't talk very much. And today was one of those days because you had me captivated, and I'm pretty sure you did the same to everyone who is listening. So, again, I want to thank you. I'm going to have this posted on my Facebook page. And once it's on my page, I'm going to go ahead and send that to you so you can share with your friends and family and let the word go forth. Okay? So we want to thank you. You are more than welcome. Thank you for allowing me to share this story. I am honored to be here, and I just want to give you the greatest blessing and my gratitude. Thank you so much. Okay, God bless you. I have received that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Have a good night. You too, my dear. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this was a powerful, powerful testimony. It was a powerful story. You know, again, I will say this. In order to understand how victims feel, what victims go through, it does not make sense to the natural mind why a woman will stay in a relationship where she is being treated less than a dog. The thing with domestic violence is this. No man just comes up to you unless he's like brave, he's just like brazen and bold and and have no he's not human and just right from the top show you who they are, especially a narcissist. They know how to love bomb you. And what that mean is they will tell you everything you've been ever wanting to hear because they can spot someone who is weak from a mile off. If there are three women, I know you'll probably say, Diane, I think we've heard this before, but I'm going to keep saying it until you hear it until it comes alive in you, and just maybe we have somebody new listening tonight, and you might not know the signs of of, of what an abuser is like. They are predators, okay? It's like a lion lay down low 
wait for that perfect prey to come by and then pounce on them, it's the very same thing with abusers. It's the very same thing with pedophiles. They don't just show up. They come across nice, sweet, kind, loving. They will be your Prince Charming if you believe in that fairy tale. And listen to me, ladies. There is no such thing or such person as a Prince Charles. It is a fairy tale. And if you base your life on finding the perfect man, you never will. Am I saying all men are abusive and all men are predators? Of course not. Of course not. But there are so many of them. The Bible calls them wolves in sheep's clothing. They will pretend, but the intent of their hearts towards you are not true. It is not pure. They don't want the best for you. They will tell you that because as they tell you that, what's happening is that wall that you have built up little by little by little. They are chipping that wall away to the point where you let all your guards down. And the minute you let all your guards down, it's over. It's over. Pay attention to the sign. If they want to tell you you ought not do your hair like this and you've been doing your hair like this forever, Pay attention. If they tell you you ought to not wear clothes like that, you are not wear shoes like that. If you have you know, you've had friends from since kindergarten, and all of a sudden they have issue with your friends. They don't like you hanging out with your family. They much rather you where they are with their family, so they can always have an eye on you. It's not cute. It's not that he loves you so much. It's not that you are the bomb in bed. Yes, I'm going to go there. It's not none of that. It's called manipulation, and they are there to dominate you and take absolute you control that. of you. You, you. you might think, you might think you can just walk in and walk out of an abusive relationship some people, I've had people who reached out to me and they told me they were in abusive relationships for 20 years, 25, 30 years. She said her age. T.U. said she is 67 years old, 67 years old. So don't think like domestic abuse is a young people's thing. Don't think domestic abuse only happened to a specific gender, to a specific lifestyle an economic status, or an educational background. There are rich people who are abusing their wives. Right here in the city of Grapevine in, in, in Texas, there is this humongous shelter for victims of domestic abuse. You know who these women are? They are the wives they and were. girlfriends of the CEOs, the wives and girlfriends, the same attorney that we hire to defend us their wives and girlfriends have to seek shelter from them, the police officers, the military, okay? So don't think because you are black, you are white, you are Hispanic, you are Asian, you are Haitian, don't think if you're not making six figures a year, and if you were to start making six figures a year, that would change. It will not. It will not. Some people are just who they are. And I am here to tell you, 
the minute you can escape, the minute God opened a door for you, take that opportunity because you may never get that opportunity again. Again, I want to say to you, thank you so very much, Brother Chris, Sister Shanice. I just love you guys so much because you guys allow victims of abuse to have a platform like this to share their stories, to help save other lives. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we want to thank you for today. God, we give you great praise, great glory, and great honor. We thank you, God, for what we heard today. And we thank you even now for the healing that's taking place in T.U.'s life. We pray for her daughter, God, that you will bring her around and you will mend, God, that relationship. I thank you again, Father, for the Newtons. And I thank you, God, for everyone who is listening to the show. Strengthen them, God. Encourage their hearts. Let them know, Father, you did not allow Jesus to die for them so they can go through what they're going through, so they, so they don't have to suffer the way they are suffering. And, God, we give you the praise. We give you the glory and the honor that is due unto your name in the name of Jesus. You guys, again, I want to thank you. Don't forget, lubrandbooks.com. Go there. If you have not gone there to get your free ebook entitled, What Do You Know About Domestic Violence? Librand Books, L-E-B-R-I-N-B-O-O-K-S.com. Enter in your email address, and you will have that book in about three, two to three minutes. While you're there, I ask for your support. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook, Diane Lubrand. Uh, you can go to author Diane Lubrand. You can find me there. Uh, I just want to say, again, I thank you guys so much for being here. I love you guys. Until we meet again next Tuesday, same time, same place, but only for one hour next Tuesday because it's the second Tuesday of August. I love you guys. God bless you. Brother Chris, Sister Shanice, again, I love you guys. Thank you so much. Good night, everybody. Walk with me, family. Let's go. Central Texas. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.